Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Open Concessions podcast presented by Toyota. And we feature a weekly in-depth conversation with a Chicago Cubs-related personality, in this case, a couple of those personalities. We are your hosts, along with Jim Deshays. I'm Len Casper. We make up the Cubs TV tandem. JD, how are you? I'm doing great, Len. How are you? I'm good. And uh, this week is going to be fun. Uh, Jeff Garland and Brad Morris, a couple of Chicago natives who live in California, uh, who love the Cubs, and who both have had really interesting acting and comedic careers. Uh, Everyone knows Jeff from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, among other things. And, and Brad Morris is a guy who has been in, and you'll hear us talk about all the shows he's been in. He's been in literally everything in the last 15 years. He's a, he's a true utility man. And I just hope uh, as we get into this that we're able to draw Jeff out, you know, because he's so introverted <laughs> and tends to be quiet. So I'm hoping we can unlock uh, Jeff's personality. Yep, they're both great friends, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Jeff Garland and Brad Morris. Jeff, how are you? Thanks for joining us. You doing all right? I am doing wonderfully. I am, uh, I'm actually, you know, I remember, (laughs) this is going to be a weird way to start, but it's true. I remember moving into my office, which was a little one-bedroom house that was supposed to be my office. And when I got divorced, uh, by the way, from a woman I still adore and love and I'm close with, I like I like spreading that word that you can get divorced and still love your ex-wife and be great with her. Anyhow, I said, I said to him, how will I survive in this little teeny house. He said, forget talking that way. Survive, you're gonna thrive. Now, I have been down for much of the pandemic, you know, uh, 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 and I can even point to watching the first game with you guys uh, as like, oh, this feels good. But I have now, I don't know how long it'll last, busted out of it and I'm thriving. I'm really creative. I'm writing things. I'm uh, actually like have Zoom meetings every day about projects I'm selling. So really, um, I'm great. You know, the only thing that really pisses me off is the Florida Marlins. (laughs) Understood. Brad, uh, great to talk to you as well. Uh, How are you hanging in there? I'm doing okay. It's it's really nice to be here. I, every opportunity, and this will be at the top of the cool things that have happened during the pandemic list for me, which is, you know, not a long list, but um, every time something like this pops up, I, I can, this this will kind of carry me, you know, for at least 10 days to two weeks. So for the next little while, if my kids, you know, you know, see me, uh, you know, uh, watching a game with you guys or whatever, and they'll see me with a smile on my face and, and I'll be able to explain why. 
A smile on your face and a bowl of porridge. You love porridge. Tell me. I, I do. I like anything of a, a sort of a, a warm, uh, you know, grit. A warm grit. That's, a, that's my genre of breakfast. Yeah. Kind of an outlier there, I would think. I, I think you, you think you're right, J.D. What, yeah. what, what exactly is porridge, anyway? It's like, it's like I, I think it's a bowl of like anything, cream of wheat. Anything, anything warm and mushy. But I love the term warm grit. Yeah, I like a, <laughs> I like a Brad, warm grit. I'll be going for the next week to two weeks with a smile on my face just thinking of the term warm grit. Jeff, you're, <laughs> Jeff you are, uh, you're a fan of any, any hominy-based savory meal, too. I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, imagine going into a restaurant. What would you like? I'd like a hominy-based savory meal. <laughs> well, I thought we would just spend the hour uh, reading uh, Brad's IMDb page because I oh, see no. 142 titles. Is that possible? Yikes. Apparently so. That, 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 you, you know you're doing something wrong when you have 142 <laughs> IMDb titles, and then when you walk into a grocery store, people go, oh, it's the guy from the Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you he's shopping for some warm grit. <laughs> I swear, though, I've watched more television during the pandemic than I had the previous 12 years of my life. And literally uh, every third day, my wife and I are like, there's Brad again. There, there, I like to I like to think of myself, uh, you know, as like um, a, 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 you know, like a package of unopened salami that you find in your fridge and, and you go, oh, my. This isn't what this is good news, you guys. There was some salami in here. I'm, I just that's all I want to ever be. And uh, and so maybe I've accomplished that you, you're reframing it. And by the way, like Len, you know, I know everyone else on here knows this, but like Len is um, you were the guy that when you used to come to Second City, you know, I was the one getting nervous backstage. Like, you know, it's everyone else was excited when Tom Hanks would come. I was getting all crazy. <laughs> when Len was. Well, I don't want to break bad on anybody who uh, you were with, but you really stood out. I, mean, uh, it, I, I really did. appreciate that. No, you did. You did. When Brad was in Second City, it was truly impossible to go to a show and not go, well, that guy's great. Everybody else is pretty good, but mm -hmm. that guy, wow. I mean, I'm, if you could see me, I'm blushing uh, and writing things down furiously. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Just write down warm grit. It's a winner. <laughs> well, anyway. what, I want to know, what I want to know is, Jeff, you have uh, as high a standard as anyone I've ever met in terms of funny. Uh, you don't suffer fools, uh, but Brad makes you laugh every other sentence. What is it about Brad that, that tickles you so much? Well, let me be frank here. I am not going to analyze that. One of the things, <laughs> no, 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 no. If you, but you have to understand something. Thank you. I, I do not like analyzing comedy, figuring out why. Comedy to me is like a magical mystery that either it works or it doesn't work. And when it works, you just give it a big hug and say, thank you. And when it doesn't work, you go, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, it's too, I once after a show here in Los Angeles, went out to dinner with the club owner and he wanted to talk about comedy and analyze comedy. And this is a 100% true story. Um, and we're sitting and, and, and I'm going along with it. And I was like, I wasn't funny when I left that restaurant and it stayed for two weeks um, until what broke me out of it, I remember, was a book called More Letters from a Nut. And I was like, not, I was having bad sets. I just, I lost it completely. And this is like years into my career. I read this book, More Letters from a Nut, the sequel to Letters from a Nut. Um, and um, it made me laugh so hard, and it it brought back the feeling of magic in comedy. Because I swear, it's like a thing from the universe. You can't explain it. So I'm just grateful 
that Brad Morris makes me laugh hard. And boy, he does things sometimes that make me laugh hard. <laughs> and I love it. I hey, love it. I love it. Did and you, you say know bad, also- hey, did you say bad sets? You had bad, bad sets. sets. Yeah, right? for the record. By the way, at that point I was married, there was no sex. No, no sex and bad sets. And bad sets. So, uh, this guy this guy literally like he talked the funny out of you. Yeah, yes, because he analyzed it. He analyzed it. Like, all right, let's go, JD. You were a pitcher. By the way, I've been like going nuts through my baseball cards. I have a ton of cards of you now. I have a ton of you're my JD collection. I love it too. I have all sorts of cards of yours. You, Anyhow, and that by the way, that's like with like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays cards. Yeah, well, sure. It's like someone would go, Why do you have <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the one. Here's the card you have to get. There's yeah. A card out there. Wait, wait a minute. I got one of those holographic cards. You know, you tip in and change the pictures. Yes. And it's it's. Um, I did. I you know I did something good. And so they decided to make this card. And it's me, and Mike Schmidt, and I think Don Sutton. And it's the most bizarre thing, right? If you're a collector oh, wow. or a kid that gets this, and you're like, Yeah, I get that. I get that. And then what? <laughs> what, what, what is he doing here? <laughs> That's keep, awesome. Keep an eye out. My, my point on the question is you don't want to analyze. If you're throwing good, okay, if you got a groove going, do you really want to be thinking about why you have a groove going, where the groove's coming right. from? No, no, but, but, but by the way, this is, this, is, this is the whole thing that I think is interesting is like, you know, Jeff is for me what what I love so much about Jeff, and it, whether it's making him laugh or having him make me laugh, which is also nonstop when I'm with him, is that it you don't know where it's going to come from, and then you also know you're going to kind of you might remember one thing and take it with you one out of every ten exchanges that you have. There might be a few things from our friendship that goes back like geez, I don't even know, 20 years now, that you kind of go, oh, always, if I say this one thing, it's going to trigger a big laugh because it takes us back to that other time. This is kind of what you guys do, you know, Len and JD, like you guys are the ultimate improvisers. You've got way more than many, you know, multiples on the 10,000 hours than Jeff and I have. And you guys are like the ultimate improvising two-man duo i mean you know i haven't watched the middle ditch and schwartz stuff on netflix yet but i'd much rather watch and do you guys doing your two-man improv show you know every day that's what i love well it's interesting you say that uh i i put david cross on the spot uh when he did the stretch and he froze and it was a night after uh i watched him do 90 minutes uh at i think (laughs) chicago theater and during the break, he's like, how, how do you do this? He's a huge baseball fan, as you yeah, guys probably know. Man. Yeah. And I said, David, I just, you just did 90 minutes without a script and without a game going on. Like, I, I can't do that. So, yeah, there are different skills involved with everything. But I do agree with you, Jeff, that the it factor is, is something you cannot verbalize and really can't analyze uh i'm sure you guys yeah the 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 key word there is actually should not you don't mess with (laughs) you don't touch it you just go okay you know it's like for you after a broadcast going hey jd how did you think of this quip or that quip and what would like you don't want to be thinking about it you just want to do it Right. It's so important. Yeah. And, and you know, there are young broadcasters. I get so many uh, tapes and uh, you listen to, to demos. And, and the guys who have it, you hear it. And you can't explain what it is. And, and you could grade somebody, probably in comedy and in broadcasting, on all the mechanics. And you could give them tens across the board. But then it's that it factor. And you go, hmm, I don't know. And then you could grade somebody else and, and all of the mechanics are like fours and fives. And then it's the it and you go, yep, they have it. Yes. So some of that other stuff doesn't always matter, does it? Well, the other stuff will grow. The other stuff they'll get better at. You know, I'm watching the, um, the Beastie Boys documentary. I'm halfway through it. It's, it's spectacular. It's on Apple TV. And it's like it's actually one of the best things I've ever seen. 
for this type of thing. And they were terrible, but they had the it factor right at the beginning. But you see that they grew into their rapping and the way they did things to where they became great artists and great uh, uh, great period. And but early on, they had the they had it, and you can't explain it. When I first met Brad, was in Chicago doing the uh, Joan Cusack show, and he's working in the office, and I would go to the office to have him make me laugh. Because he had the it factor. He just, there wasn't anybody on stage with the it factor. So I had to go to the office to laugh. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff is, Jeff legitimized, uh, you know, he, he, he sort of legitimized, you know, this, this like little thing I had in my head that maybe I could do this thing, honestly, like, and that's one of Jeff's gifts is, you know, he, he's, he's hilarious and, and, uh, and multi-talented, I'm going to say it, I'll say it, multi-talented, but, but he's truly championed so many people. I mean, the list of people that Jeff has said, yeah, I don't know, this person makes me laugh. And, and if you went back and looked at all the people that go, yeah, he had a big, he had a big part in telling, you know, sort of allowing me to go, I guess I might be willing to take a crappier day job and follow this dream a little further. You know what I mean? Like, I honestly think, um, no, actually, now that I think about it, Jeff, had, had I not met you, I probably would have been a, a much more successful TV writer by now. So I don't I actually need to rethink this. Let me I'll get back to you guys. Let me retract that statement. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then here's the other thing it makes me think of. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, character actors and, you know, journeyman baseball players. I think, you know, I'm I'm now realizing that, like, as a kid growing up as a Cub fan and you know, listening to Harry and, you know, and Steve Stone, by the way, at some point I need to just say, it is so bizarre to listen to this version of Steve Stone down the street doing Sox games. I know it shouldn't be as weird as it is. It's just strange for me. But um, yeah, it's, by the way, it's never stopping strange. Yeah. When I watch a Sox game, it's just weird. And knowing that he has animosity towards the Cubs is also a weird one. Well, you know, because you and I grew up with that, you young ball players, and yeah. then he would predict what was going to happen. It was yeah. so weird. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's some odd, you know, kind of wizardry in that way, but I, you know, it made me think like, you know, maybe as a kid, why was I so drawn to like Manny trio and players like that? Like maybe I was always meant to be like a Manny trio in the industry. You know what I mean? I'm just supposed to be, I'm a guy that you bring, you bring him in, he pinch hits. Uh, he was an all-star. I'm looking him up right now. He was was an all-star. He was an. No, he wasn't really. He, I don't know. I don't remember him specifically in the field, but I know he was a really good hitter. Well, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, you know, and he had two stints with the Cubs. And I guess by the time I got him, eighty six, eighty eight, he would have been. I would have been uh, eleven through thirteen. So and Manny Trio was sixty years old when he played. <laughs> Cubs. I don't know you, if you know that. You're turning him into Mini Minoso? He was. He, <laughs> by the way, I used to leave Cub games, uh, go do shows at Improv Olympic, which, you know, uh, rest in peace. But um, I would I would park my car sometimes by sluggers and I would see Mini Minoso. This is like not that long ago. And he was leaving the, the, the batting cages with a bat in his hand, like as if he was ready to maybe <laughs> come on, fly out. Really. You never told me that. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, he had his Cadillac parked out in front, and he would walk in and out with a bat. And I was thinking, like, he's, he's getting ready. He's, he's going to try. <laughs> that is yeah, awesome. but Bill Vec doesn't own them anymore. I don't know that he's coming into the game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so baseball stuff. How do the games sound and look and feel sitting okay. at home? No, well, hold on. I'm going down a path now that I, that I got to be honest. I hate the shirts and ties. I hate the in-game commercial, and it's not just the Cubs that are the um, 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 you know the Cubs new channel that's doing it. Uh, people are doing it in sports. If there's a, a moment of quiet or breath. Hey, let's throw a commercial in the right-hand side of the screen. 
I can't stand it. It makes me nuts. It's like, really, you got to get in more commercials? Weren't there enough? We got to get all we can money-wise? It makes me nuts. So I enjoy the broadcast. By the way, only me would come on your podcast and go, no more suit and tie. No more commercial in the in-game. I don't like it, but I truly don't like it. And it really upsets me because I... You guys are doing a great job in a season that I personally, and maybe people won't like this, I don't think any sports should be happening now. I really don't, unless, I got to say, I'm watching uh, NHL and I'm watching uh, uh, basketball, and the bubble thing seems to be a big ball of good. And the idea that baseball players are left to their own devices, I I don't even know why the whole league isn't sick right now. Yeah, it's just too many people. And I think because yes. uh, there are too many people involved and Florida and Arizona in August, probably yeah. not the best place to play baseball. No. There aren't enough no. domes. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I think the, uh, the length of schedule too, like the, the, you know, the NBA and the, and, and the NHL are <clears throat> essentially in their playoffs, right? <clears throat> and baseball has to – Yeah, they're, they're, doing they're, pretty much, they're pretty yeah. much doing a tournament to get to the tournament. Right. Yeah, and baseball, I think there's just there's too much time. I mean, I, I guess it, 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 it's conceivable that it could have worked on some level, but there's so many games that you have to play, and to put guys in a bubble for that long, I don't think was. But long. I gotta say, the broadcast from Wrigley, I mean, it's unusual, but it feels nice. I mean, it really feels nice. I, um, I, yeah, I, 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 it, 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 I am. I said it before we got on here. I, the, the I, you guys are are truly uh, saving me from from you know. When you talk about the dog days of summer, they never meant uh, the dog days of a pandemic that is stretching into summer. And you get like, it is, it is so nice to get to have this you know familiar these familiar voices. And 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 here's the other thing: I'm not with Jeff on the suit thing. I don't know. I, the first day it was so jarring. And now I'm like, as long as you guys are happy, I feel a little bit like you guys are like, it's like, it would be like a dream table at a bar mitzvah. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I look over, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, Brad got Len and JD somehow to come to his bar mitzvah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, Jeff, we look hot. Come on. Just, yeah. just, just no, wrap no, no, your no. arms around I us. Just, come on. No, no, no. Hold on. Because I love, I wear a suit on curb. I re, I own a bunch of suits. I love suits. I love uh, a certain thing. I'm just saying that it looks wrong. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. There's a certain professional casualness to the two of you guys. Look, somebody at um, what's a marquee marquee sports uh, network. Marquee yep. sports network yep. went. I have to change things because I'm the new boss. And I just was very happy the way it was. And like I and by the way, I'm really sincere with the commercial in the quiet moments. It's just wrong. It just it it, it rubs me the wrong way. And it just looks like um it just and I'm with Brad on Lennon JD at your bar mitzvah. Don't get me wrong. By the way, you both look good. You look handsome. It doesn't feel right. That's I'll, all I'm saying. I, I, and, and I'm going to just go down another road again and just say, look, if you guys are cleaning out the closets of all those old uh, Comcast sports you know, pullovers and golf shirts, I'm here. <laughs> I'm so Done. here. Yeah. I got a bunch. I mean, I'll send them. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, happy to do that. Yeah, I've got a big closet full of. of but that I stuff. also want to say, if you guys are really digging it and comfortable in it, then I'll become comfortable. With okay, get it. comfortable, yeah, yeah. and and the in-game ads—they're not going away, and especially during a <laughs> pandemic, you got to find other ways to yeah. to to make money. Yeah, so. but I think post-pandemic they'll still be there. It's just, yes, yeah, I agree. You know, yeah, I'm going to lose. I'm going to loosen my tie just for you next game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, I you really feel, you know, I get I get really emotional because baseball. Look, 
anyone listening to this is clearly a baseball fan. And baseball is its own thing, its own special game. Baseball cannot compete in terms of trying to be like uh, football, basketball, hockey. It, 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 it's different. And that's what makes it special. And I feel that, and I feel strong, and you don't have to make comments because you work there, you work in the industry, but I feel the commissioner of baseball doesn't love baseball. That's my really strong feeling because every, like Bud Selig, as much as he annoyed me, you knew Bud at his core loved baseball. I don't get that from this guy. And so every move that he makes against the players, he's, I think he's so full of crap. I'm actually, <laughs> I go nuts. I go nuts. So for me, with baseball, it's about sticking to, for me, I can't speak for others, <clears throat> but I think baseball fans are like this. Keep what's beautiful about it, the pacing of it. That way, when a triple happens, it's like, amazing. It overwhelms you. It's so exciting because it builds. And by the way, baseball fans love the nuances of a one to nothing game. The people who don't like baseball love nine to eight. People who love baseball. I remember one of my favorite games of all time coming to Wrigley was Greg Maddox versus Nolan Ryan. And it was two to one. And it was perfection. It was what you wanted if you were a baseball fan. Um, yep. Yep. There you go. I'm sorry. Hey, you know, I get on my sort of crazy. Well, I don't want to let. I don't want to let this pass. I just have to just say, Je Jeff, are you saying that you're hearing there's a proposal to eliminate triples from baseball? <laughs> no. What they're doing is, if you score a triple, someone will run out to third base, base and bring you a warm grit. And then we have to sit now with a commercial playing on one half of the screen, and the poor guy who hit a triple having to eat a ball of warm grit, which is actually cold. Uh, so that's what I'm hearing. You, you <laughs> settled me down there. Yeah. I, I want JD to tell his story and, uh, I put him on the spot all the time. JD, you got to tell the story of Lori almost shooting Nolan Ryan. Oh, since yeah. his name was yeah. just mentioned. Yeah, Nolan. Uh, so Nolan and Ruth, are wonderful people and uh, very hospitable. So when I was a, a young player with Houston, uh, for a couple all-star breaks, they'd invite us and two or three other families up to the, their ranch in uh, Gonzales, Texas. And uh, the Ryans are uber competitive people. I remember Lori, one, one summer, she was like eight months pregnant and four of the women are playing a doubles table tennis and Ruth Ryan keeps hitting these little drop shots right over the net. So my pregnant wife has to kind of like try to run around the table to, to play the ball. <laughs> so that's, that's a little peek into the window of the, of the Ryan psyche. But the other one, so the other activity was uh, skeet shooting over the uh, over the Guadalupe River or something, you know, and uh, we're not really gun people, and uh, so. But Lori's got a, you know, she's pretty good at aiming things, and um, <laughs> so so you know, pull and they they shoot the pigeon or whatever you call it, and uh, boom, she shoots and misses, and well, try again, and they reload the gun, and I think there's like two shots in the gun, and they shoot it again and pull and shoot, and she gets it, and she's so excited, she spins, she goes, I got it, I got it, and she as she turns, she puts the barrel of the gun right into Nolan's chest. And there's this like sudden moment where everybody there just goes stone silent. Everybody's like, nobody move. And he just kind of takes his hand and wraps his, makes like the okay sign around the barrel of the gun and just quietly lifts it and turns it to the side. And uh, Miss Laura, you don't want to be doing that. <laughs> That's did, he, did he really stay like, like afterwards where you asked to leave? No, or? no, we were good. No, they, uh, <laughs> well, this was so idyllic. They had neighbors. This woman brought over a big basket of uh, baked goods every day, and I swear to God, her name was Miss Full of Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I used to date her. I used yeah. to date her. Uh, and by the way, can I say something that's on point? She made the most delicious warm grit. Yeah. <laughs> but I would Im imagine watching Nolan Ryan would be the equivalent of. Uh, the comedians watching prior or without a doubt, right? 
That's oh, it. God, yes. Yeah. And you know what? And by the way, you're saying about how competitive they are. I'm I waited because I knew I couldn't wait from week to week to binge watch the last dance. And I think that's what the great ones have in common, that feeling of being competitive like that. Yeah, the, I mean, and yes. you respond to any slight. It was interesting, right? Anytime he felt slighted, he just ratcheted up his game. Another. Oh, nine. my God. And by the way, how about that one story where he made up a whole thing about, um, I forgot which player. He made up, he literally made up a story and then later said, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, yeah, just to, to motivate himself, right? To motivate himself. Yeah. 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 Did, well, I, yeah, the, it's legendary, the, the stories of Jordan and, I, what I loved the most was with the security guys before games, right? Oh God. Yes. You know, God. I bet you 200 bucks this or whatever. And it's like, dude, come on. I've heard, I've heard stories of uh, veteran players on planes and JD can speak to this where you're playing poker or whatever, and you've got five rookies and then the veteran comes in and just like, you know, here's a, you know, I up you 50 or whatever. And it's like, I up you seventeen thousand yeah, dollars. Like the game over. over. The guy out of the game. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, they, they, he did that on flights. What are you guys doing? Can I play with you? No. It's 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 really fascinating. It's fascinating. I kind of wish that there was a Jordan type guy uh, for many years on the Cubs who just wouldn't talk. Like if the Cubs ever had a player who was that great who wouldn't tolerate losing, they would have won. Well, uh, in 2016, I recall, we had a pretty good year. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about a long time ago. Oh, okay. All right. So you're still no, no. bitter, you're oh, still right, bitter right. about pre-2016? Hold on. I'm a 58-year-old man. There were a lot of different years than 2016. <laughs> I sat through a lot. There were years... You know, I was always honest going in, even though, you know, you're hopeful as a Cub fan, that which we are. And I remember sitting, I actually, I rarely sit in the bleachers. And I remember sitting in the bleachers uh, and saying to whoever I was with, I go, imagine this team without Maddox and Dawson. And the next year they were gone. <laughs> it's like I've lived through, and everyone listening to this, has lived through uh, uh, so many bad seasons where from the get-go, it was like, okay, we're, we, we're, we don't have a prayer. We don't have a prayer. Oh, my God. Wow. So, yeah, I remember 2016. That was the uh, outlier season, as I like to call it. Listen, oh. listen, we all we all have Fukudome jerseys in our closets, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Dear adventurers, enjoy a summer of excitement with Toyota. Keep it wild in the rugged 4Runner. With its heritage of toughness, the 4Runner is ready for just about anything. Take charge in the 2020 Camry and conquer mountain roads with its available all-wheel drive. Or plan an epic road trip and get comfy while you cruise with your crew in the roomy Highlander Hybrid. And drive confidently all the way with electric on-demand all-wheel drive. Whichever you choose in a Toyota, you're sure to make the most of summer. Soak it up, Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealer or toyota.com to learn more. By the way, Len, you know what was amazing? Was talking to you, you were really upset and you had every right to be, and I was in agreement with you, with the amount of negativity of in 2017 making the NL championship and losing, and people were furious. Now, disappointed, I understand, right. but really, every year now we're in the NL championship and that's not good enough? Right. What the hell are you? Who are you? Did you just become a Cub fan in 2016 and you think this is the way it is? Because even 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 last year, uh, not making the playoffs, okay, we were still pretty gosh darn excellent. All to me as a Cub fan, all I want every season is that the Cubs have a chance. That's all that's my prayer to the gods every year. Cubs just have a chance. And by the way, this year has been such a delight and not surprising to me, but very much 
so happy with how it's going. Every time I hear you talk like that, it, it just it pains me as the grandson of Lee Elia to have you talk like that because it, it feels it feels personal. By the way, Lee Elia, truly the dumbest. I mean, I don't know him as a person, but in terms of the way he approached things, the dumbest manager ever to call all these people who love. So unconditionally, the Chicago Cubs, a bunch of bums. Are you kidding me? That's like, let me just, I'd love to commit career suicide. Here's what I'll say. What? What? Blaming us? Blaming us for the crappy team? Oh, dear God. I just miss, I just miss the days when you'd rip open a, a pack of baseball cards and, and you'd say, Lee Ely is the manager of the Cubs. And then the next year, You'd open it up and it'd say, Dallas Green is the. Remember when GMs just would go, I've had it. I'm going to be the manager. That's what I. That's, I miss that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 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 It used to happen a lot. Uh, we just had the 60th anniversary of Joe Gordon and Jimmy Dykes were traded. They were managers. It was the Indians and right. the Tigers. And uh, the GMs got together and said, Should we just trade managers? And they're like, Yeah, why not? Bring 1960. Bring that right, back. right. Yeah. And, 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 and way, in the way, way back days, it was not uncommon for the players to vote on who the manager was going to be. A lot of times, really, it'd be, it'd be a teammate. You know, yeah, we like it's like a popularity contest. Yeah, we like Frank Chance. Let's let's make him the manager. <laughs> and by the way, if they did that, only the teams that were probably really good and passionate about who the manager would be would re- react positively, and the other guys probably wanted to play cards and take naps. <laughs> uh, I hate to uh, to to make this serious in any way, uh, but I'm I am worried about Second City, uh, just live comedy and live events in general have been stopped. Uh, are you guys concerned that it's either not coming back, or when it does, it won't be the same? Not that at would all. be a tragedy. Not at all. Not, not because you know why? Because if the current Second City owners or management uh, get out of it, there'll be a rich dude somewhere, uh, or even let me say rich lady, who I'd love it if it was a rich lady, to be honest with you, um, who'll buy it and it'll be open. No, Good. it'll be open. And I know for myself, I'm not doing stand up again until the majority of the audience doesn't have to wear a mask. And I know from now on, because there's people who are, who are crazy all the way into people who are uh, right because they're vulnerable, who will be wearing masks in the audience and at all times. I get that. But the majority of the audience, I need them packed together and I need to see the smiling, laughing faces. That will happen again. And clubs and theaters Will everyone's look? Here's what's not what's happening now. Some of these places, no, the current owners will not be owning it, and it'll be. But I really feel we're going to go right back. Look, uh, I was listening to an interview a while back with Sonny Rollins, uh, the great jazz saxophonist, and he was talking about 9 11. And he said how nice people were right after 9-11. And that lasted for a couple months. And then everything went back. I think once people aren't, I mean, look how many people are out partying when there is a pandemic. So I think that once we get some some, uh, uh, shots that people can take, that it evolves and we get a handle on it. I think within a very short period of time, everything will go back to normal. And there'll be a new rich person who owns the club and or the theater that I perform in. Brad, what do you think? I, You know, I agree. I, I think um, it's very hard in the middle of something that feels and sort of is um, brand new and historic to understand, you know, uh, sometimes the context and to pull out and look, you know, from from high up and that this is a weird moment, but also we've been through a lot of them as uh, humans. And, uh, you know, I I think that the, the core, not to get too uh, philosophical, but I think that that core 
thing that we all have as people to like, you know, to laugh, you know, to listen to music, to, you know, be entertained, to, to root for our teams, all that stuff. That's never going away. So, Ever. So there's, Ever. A, there's a lot of, so that fundamental, you know, human impulse is going to be there. And, and I really think that that stuff in some ways will come back and find a, a you know, little new, you know, adjustments and evolutions within what the experience is, um, you know, even more quickly than certain other things. Now, I'm not, you know, for better or worse, but I, I, I believe that'll happen. I think the smaller theaters will actually have a little bit of a, um, a renaissance too, because, you know, I think people are going to find themselves more comfortable. You know, I always, what I loved about performing at Second City, uh, you know, as much as anything else was I loved that room. I loved, you know, what that room was. I loved the size of it. I, I, you know, I, yeah, it's great. I've always, yes. always been a little bit of an old soul, which is, I think is why Jeff uh, thought I was worth talking to even when I was 23. It's like, I, I don't need to go, you know, I mean, look, when I was in high school going to see the Smashing Pumpkins, you know, at the Riviera was an amazing experience. You couldn't drag me, you know, to go to see shows at like the United Center. I saw Bruce Springsteen at the United Center. I'm like, I have no desire to go see huge concerts and huge arenas like that. So that's me. I know that my daughters that, you know, they'll be at an age soon where they'll want to go and go to an arena. And I'll say, can we go to see that show at an outdoor arena? Because that'll be how my mind works about it. But I think everything will come back. And I hope that people, uh, you know, scratch that itch and go locally to, to little theaters to see stand up open mics, which is really, you know, what's what's old is going to be new again. I think at least at the beginning, that's my that's my belief. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried got in trouble with a, a 9-11 joke uh, kind of right after it at a roast, I think. Uh, how does how does pandemic humor play and is it off limits? Should comedy ever be off limits in terms of a particular moment in our history? Well, <laughs> mm. I gotta I'm putting you on the spot, Jeff. <laughs> no, I really feel that because uh, people are asking me, especially with the, the, the temperature in the world, um, is there, are things out of line? Are things that you can't talk about? I'm going to tell you the secret to the whole thing. Uh, we're at a point in history where the mediocre white comic who thinks they're funny and they're not is going out of style. So, you know, you might think like, oh, you're a what, young white comic, you know, in the industry now. It is so right with the Black Lives Matter and giving women respect. These are all things that you wished years ago were in place. And so with all the things that are going on and all the sensitivity, what's beautiful is the, the, the white guy who's mediocre, see you later. But if you're funny, white, black, Asian, doesn't matter. If you're funny, you can make fun of anything if you're funny. The only thing that's coming out of this is if you're funny, you got nothing to worry about. But I got to tell you, plenty of people in the comedy industry, not funny. Plenty of people on Facebook. Oh, I'll put this post up because I'm hilarious. What do you mean I've been fired? <laughs> free speech. No, free speech means you're not arrested. But your boss can say, dude, that's not funny. And you offended people. So I'm really happy about all of this because I think post pandemic, what's going to survive? People and things that are truly funny. Mediocrity is leaving the building. And I love it. I love it. Uh, I was talking with JD a couple weeks ago on this podcast. We do a little thing at the end where we just kind of bring up a random thought. And it hit me. Uh, I was watching Get Shorty, the, the the series. And by the way, what a great underrated show. Oh, that, it's, it's fantastic. But that's the point. And nobody, and nobody saw it. Right. Because well, that's my point is that. I think there's a tendency to say TV sucks, movies suck, everything's bad. And I watched uh, a show with Ray Romano that I didn't know existed uh, that was amazing. Uh, Truly, watched- by the way, the whole season, I mean, all the season, yeah. 
an amazing, amazing show. And I'm sad it wasn't on HBO or someplace where lots of people could have seen it because it's so good. Yes. So good. And Billy Bob Thornton and Goliath. I love that show. I didn't mm-hmm. know it existed Great two year. months ago. Yep. Uh, the the uh, Yellowstone with Kevin Costner. So I was saying to JD, Kevin Costner, Ray Romano, and Billy Bob Thornton had three TV shows that very few people have seen, and they're all awesome. And 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 yes, there are so many bad shows out there right now because the volume is overwhelming. But yes. you cannot claim that in 1986 there were that many great shows. So I'm standing up for those shows. And Brad, you probably were in all three, and I forgot. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm but sorry. there are this Red Oaks I saw on Amazon Prime. Oh, was just another show. Awesome. Yeah. How awesome. Great is Am I wrong? And Paul Reiser in yes. Red Oaks. Am I wrong, Brad? There's no, some you're, great you're, television you're, right there's, now. There's 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 great TV, and I've gotten around to some of the. If they're if we're looking, you know, talking about silver linings during this time, other than you know getting to see my kids grow up in an age that is so hilarious and fantastic and sweet to see. It's it's yeah, it's getting to veg out at night, uh, and now you know now I'm watching games again thanks to you guys, but. It's uh yeah, there's amazing TV. You know, I had friends that told me for you know years, you know, you got to see Bosch, you got to see Bosch, and it's probably because my mom and stepdad were also huge Bosch fans that I was like, I don't know, and I ripped through Bosch. I ripped through Bosch. Same with Goliath. There's there's. there's so- By the way, speaking of Bosch, yeah. Bosch is one of the only shows that I know of that gets better every season. Yeah, that's the thing that's saving us all this quality. Uh, television. And you know, what's interesting, like every day I go on uh, uh, Netflix, iTunes, all of it. And you know what's not there? Great movies. There's a few foreign ones here and there. There's not a lot of great movies. There's tons, tons of great uh, television. I'm going to give you guys a show and your listeners a show that is another show that gets better every season. There's been three seasons. And at the end of the second season, when they did something, you went, there's no way it'll work. And then the next season is the best season they ever had. It's a show called Marcella, which is on Netflix. Mm, I've started it. Yeah, it's really good. Really good. And Len, if you started it, you have no idea where that show is going. I'm being totally serious. Where they take risks, and I swear they hit home runs with every risk that they take. The journey is so worth it. I love when I watch, like, The Wire and the journey to the end. It ended beautiful. Like, any of these shows that are on for a while that are so great and beautiful. When they end at the end, you go, that was a journey that was so worth my time. So worth it. And Marcella is is one of those for sure. Brad, I have, you know, I was just thinking about, um, and, and, and you had a wonderful career and it's just getting better and people recognize you. And yes, they say, oh yeah, you're the, uh, but, but that's good. That that's okay. But I'm just I'll thinking. To, I'll totally take it. Yeah, yeah. To take it to the next level. Uh, speaking of great uh, television, um, you got to catch a serial killer like uh, Michelle McNamara and Patton Oswalt did. Yes. I think, I think if you can can either write a book or create yep. a TV show that By somehow the gets the DNA involved, and like that's one of the most incredible stories ever. I read okay. the book. I've I've yeah. listened to the podcasts. I watched the uh, HBO. Right, HBO I, did uh, the six parter. Incredible, and it's tragic. She she died before the book came out, but they caught the Golden State Killer essentially because she cared. It's unbelievable. By the way, uh, Patton's a friend of mine, but Michelle was a great friend of mine, and I loving that stuff. I had hours of conversations with her really? about the Golden State Killer and her passion, like really like hours because I used to, I wasn't even joking because uh, her her website, I believe is still up. It's called True Crime, Crime Diary. Mm-hmm. And I read every entrance and she helped solve a lot of other murders. And I would refer to her as my favorite writer because she was a great writer and a great person. From so Chicago, I, right? Oh, yes, Park. from Chicago. Oh, Park, yeah. And, 
and my movie Handsome, which Brad was in. She, I went over all the things. I dedicated the movie to her because she passed away before it, it came out on Netflix. Um, she, I went over every detail of the, even though there's a fun to the movie, I went over every detail with her. But I have to say, I've not read, the, I have the book because I felt an obligation to buy it uh, because of her, but I have not watched it. It's too painful for me to watch because yeah. she was such a great woman, such a great woman but, and but, remarkable but, but, with what she did. But I recommend it to anybody who didn't know her personally, because, you know, because I got to tell you, and I'm going to be serious, her death hit me as hard as like my parents' death. Like it was so mm. shocking and it really, I don't remember actually as a, as a human being in my 58 years ever being more overwhelmed by somebody's death who wasn't a wife, a parent, what have you. Well, it was well, just shocking. The, the, Patton was amazing in the documentary. I mean, so yeah, strong. Well, talk incredible. about Talk, you know, this goes to your point, though, uh, Len, that you, you're talking about here is, you know, is sort of this idea that, you know, uh, does quality, you know, how, how does quality find its way? And the truth is, like Michelle's, you know, journey, you know, her book, it, it, it's an example of, you know, a a commitment, right, to to a craft and to to, you know, honing and refining something. And it sort of it even goes back to what you're talking about before, just in terms of, you know, uh, how does comedy, what does comedy look like, you know, um, when there's such a glut of, of quote unquote comedy and kind of what Jeff was talking about. It's like part of what's great about baseball, for example, is that, you know, uh, you know, there, you can't just have people that go online and say, yeah, you know what? I'm also a guy that can hit 300 with 25 <laughs> because because if you go walk your ass down to the field and you try it out, you'd quickly see and it would be, you know, empirical data that you just can't get around. That's not how it works. Where with social media in comedy, in quotes, you can have anyone with, you know, a handle, you know, twizzle sticks 46 and suddenly they they're they're dropping one liners or commenting on the news. <laughs> They've turned into a the worst combination of Jon Stewart and Richard Pryor. And, you know, it just it's a mess. So I think that there's something to be said for like, you know, uh, the, the sort of like people that commit to really like doing something over a long period of time. I mean, you wouldn't, you know, back hundreds of years ago, you wouldn't go to the blacksmith, you know, that was dabbling in blacksmithing. You'd go to the blacksmith that's been doing it for a long time and that you can look back and see, wow, this guy knows how to make a fence. You know, it's just that part of it is interesting to me. It, like we're living in a time where suddenly, and by the way, it's it, don't ever confuse, right? Like, Freedom of speech, by all means, there's some amazing things that social media have allowed. I think that like actual justice has been, you know, yes. seen yes. in the light of day, not just in our country, but around the world, because people all have cameras on their phones. That being said, I, you're never going to have me uh, watching a TikTok dance thing. I'm just, <laughs> just not going to do it. You know what I mean? And so, right. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, the other thing, too, and, and it's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark if people want to find uh, the book. And, and yeah, the or, by the way, True, her web page, which has a lot about the Golden State Killer, was like her first research is called True Crime Diary. It's a, it's still up. I know it. it and, and again, what I was struck by, uh, so many things struck by, but it was kind of my 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 in with with Brad is that if if you're a writer or if you're doing anything and you and you see that story, I, I don't know if part of you is just like, well, what's the point? Like she, <laughs> th it, it's like the greatest accomplishment yeah. ever. Yeah. Like she just wanted to write a great book, but she also wanted to catch this guy, yeah. and she well, did both. Was, she did but, both. But yeah. let me say something here. Her approach to it is like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yes. Because I feel that to be successful at whatever it is you dig, you have to have that drive, that passion, 
And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, you know, where they think that they're funny and they just start writing stuff. You know, I, by the way, if I wanted to be a comedy writer or I wanted to be funny, I'd want to develop where no one saw me. So the idea that people are writing jokes and then putting them out for everybody to judge is insane. Is insane. Yeah. I think uh, the final word has to come from the major league pitcher, Jim Deshays. And I want to know the snap story because I've never seen it, but you were, you were a competitor, JD, you pitched 12 years in the big leagues and there had to be a moment where, where you had a little Jordan in you and you destroyed something in the clubhouse. Uh, so tell us that story. There has to be one. I don't think I've ever heard it. Yeah, no, no, there's, there's, yeah, I'm not immune to the snap. Um, probably the, 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 the one I remember most is pitching in the Astrodome. I don't remember the circumstances of the game, but I just know I was mad. Uh, either I pitched really poorly or I was mad I got pulled, but I was mad. And you were, by, by the way, I don't mean to interrupt. Were you mad at all that you were on the Astros? Hey, no, we were a good club. That was a good team back then. And we had fancy uniforms. Um, and my wife almost shot Nolan Ryan. So there, none of that would have happened had I not been on the Astros. But so there's this long walkway from the, the dugout to the clubhouse, long kind of dark hallway. And uh, intermittently, there's a light bulb hanging every so many feet. And uh, as I walked that long tunnel of despair, I smashed every light bulb just like a child. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, just, you know, and that's not, not anything I'm particularly proud of. But everybody's had their moments. I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen guys rip toilets off walls next to the dugout. I actually, in Pittsburgh, uh, we had so many guys snapping. I went out, you know, those, those uh, clowns that have sand in the bottom and they're inflatable? Yes. As a joke, I bought one of those and brought it to the ballpark and put it down at the end of the dugout in Pittsburgh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, so guys could like punch it and and get it out of their system. That thing got destroyed like by the second (laughs) inning, the first night I had it there. There was nothing left of the clown. Yeah, Jay Roach told me that Brad did the same thing on the bombshell set. So, (laughs) (laughs) by the way, that was uh, the the other one. Yeah, go ahead, JD. Where you said the other, the other kind of. The other kind of fun snap I had is um, there was used to, the joke shops used to sell this little thing called a bag of laughs and you push it yes. and the thing would just laugh maniacally. So I, yes. hang, I had that hanging in my locker and after every win I would, you know, push the button and, you know, we would laugh along with the, the stupid bag of laughs. And uh, one time in Dodger stadium, I came out of a game and I was walking through the clubhouse after being pulled, heading down to the trainer's room to get ice on my shoulder. And I turned around and I flung my glove into my locker and it hit the bag of laughs. There was three or four other guys in the clubhouse and they were trying not to laugh, but they couldn't, they couldn't suppress it. Hey, JD, were you ever on a team that you just knew didn't care? The talent was, could have gone either way but they didn't care. And so they weren't as good as they could have been. No, no, I've never, never experienced that. Um, and I don't know if there are levels of care from one team to the next. Um, there, really? I, think, That's I, think, I, think there, I think there are levels of dysfunction on some teams, but the stakes, uh-huh. are, the stakes are so high and, and most guys' careers are so short. Um, the, the care factor is, I think, on every club is really high. Sometimes it might not look like it, right? Yes. <clears throat> people, like I hear that a lot from fans, like, Man, these guys have no energy. Uh, well, when you're facing like good pitching and you're just making right turns, um, it looks like you don't have any energy and you don't you don't care because you're just making outs. It's hard to look lively when you're getting your brains beat in. But this right. is, I, you know, my, my experience is um, the, the care factor is really high. Uh, I have one last question for Brad, and I don't know how well you know Stephen Root, but I'm curious to know, he's oh. got to be either the most boring human being on the planet or the most diabolical MFer, because wow. that guy can act. Yeah. Oh, oh God, my yes. God. So, so I'm going to end up kicking this over to Jeff, who I'm sure has got uh, one or two anecdotes about Stephen Root. All I can tell you is, you know, I've been lucky enough. Actually, you know, uh, Je- Jeff, uh, thanks to Jeff, I was able to, you know, uh, do a couple different days. I might be one of the only actors, Jeff, tell me if this is right, who has played 
two different, we don't know if I'm two different characters on Curb, but I'm in two different <laughs> seasons. And if you track my, in my mind, if you track my character's career, it's the same guy. He once worked like in season three or four as a manager of a, a upscale buffet. And then yes. season like seven, he's now, he's got a beard now and he looks like maybe he's gotten a little cooler uh, and found some new indie music. And then he, now he's running the front of the house at like a trendy restaurant in Santa Monica. But by the uh, way, you are one of the few people that yeah. has been done that. Yes, yeah, if, yeah. If, if not the only one, but yes. And now, now that I've got a, a new look, I may actually see if I can figure out a way to weasel in a, a third time as a guy. By the way, yeah. by the way, don't think that that Jeff Schaefer, Larry David, and I wouldn't allow that. Well, I, I know that it would happen. I, I, so I'm, you're like Alan. You're like Alan Melvin from Andy Griffith. He was like nine different uh, characters. Ron Melvin, oh my God, that's a great call. Yeah. So, so, so Stephen Root, so Stephen Root, guys, Root, give, give me something on him. Stephen Root is one of my all-time favorites, and I am so sorry to say that I've never worked with him. So, Jeff, what do you got? Well, I mean, I know Stephen. Um, I have not worked, to my knowledge, I've not worked with Stephen, but we've been up for the same role. And hmm. if we're up for the same role, I um. Um, um, if we're up for the same role, uh, uh, he's going to get it. He's, you know, at least in, in terms of a supporting character, for sure. He's a gentleman. Uh, he is such a nice man. And he is truly, truly brilliant. And he, as, he, as time goes on, he'll be more and more respected. Because right now, he's respected by people who have the eye, who know. But I think he'll become more of a household name. He's so great, by the way, on Barry. Yes. Which is, by the way, Incredible. another great show uh, that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, one of the former Curb producers is the producer of that show, Wow, I, is that a great show? I, and he's amazing. I just was trying to figure out why I started talking about myself in Curb, and I knew it was to get to a point, and now I figured out what it was in the first place. <laughs> uh, Gary Cole, thanks to Jeff, yeah. someone who I put in that Stephen Root category, who yeah. I got to meet because I was on Curb, and I will tell you this, even though we're not, it's not Root, uh, by association and you know office space and everything else, Gary Cole is like. I also had a special place in my heart because he was like a Steppenwolf guy, a Chicago guy. This guy is everything you would ever want him to be in more. And By the way, yeah. one of my top three favorite actors of yep. all time with uh, Jeff Bridges. And I forgot who the other one was. I, my brain is. <laughs> Wait a minute. You forget who your favorite actor is? Come yeah, on. The, the third one. Oh, no, Ted Danson. Okay. So Ted Danson, Stephen Root, and Jeff Bridges are my – not Stephen Root. Stephen Root could put it number four. <laughs> but no, Gary Cole, Gary Cole, the Chicagoan, uh, who I uh, is, is one of my heroes. And Brad, do you remember when he was on What About Joan? I, I don't even because that that was a that whole two those two years were a, a real blur for no, me. No, he guest starred on What About Joan. Wow. Now I have to say I got to get going right now because I just looked out my window and I have an insurance inspection. Great, well, good time to stop. Means. What does that mean, Jeff? You gave me a compliment, by the way. You 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 said I have the eye because I, I like Stephen Root. So thank you for the compliment. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yes, you do it. Well, you do have the eye. By the way, I just want to say this, and I really want to be clear. Lennon JD, and I know you won't ever, you know, take this, but man, you're a gift to Chicagoans. You are great broadcasters. The best. I mean, just the best. And I got to tell you, JD, uh, you make me laugh really hard. Yeah. You just have these quips that come out of nowhere. Oh my. It's, it's, oh my. it's the best. It's, it's, it's a hall of fame one, two punch. And I also want to mention this cause I, I feel like it needs to be said. I don't know that enough people know JD, you as the player that you were, they should, but they need to understand you are enormous. You are an enormous man. I, I just, <laughs> I, I just, every time I've, I've gotten the chance to walk by you, I go, yeah, this guy was a baseball player. Everyone. If you want to know what one looks like, they look like this. This guy, yeah. this guy was a player. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And by the way, JD, what I mean when you guys are wearing the shirts and ties, I really enjoyed how goofy you looked at all times yeah. during broadcast. Yeah. And I'm missing that now. Yeah. Well, because I got to tell you, taste is not your middle name. Yeah. Well, on that note, go I'm ahead, buy, JD. You have the I'm final gonna, word. I'm going to buy a Madras coat with a bow tie, and that way I'll be. I'll be. I'll be. I'll be. I'll be. I'll be, uh, I'll be in, Honoring the dress code and making you happy as well. Is right, I, I gotta go, guys. Okay. I'll talk to you this was an honor. Yes. Hey, great fun. Thank you guys so much. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where we go here, um, but but again, I think the respect uh, Brad and Jeff have for one another. Uh, is very clear, as you could hear on the podcast. And, and it was interesting that Jeff did not want to analyze comedy. And there's something to that. Uh, the second you start to intellectualize it, uh, I guess, makes it not as funny, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly that, that's his point of view. He, he, just, he doesn't want to think too much about it. He just wants to be who he is and go out and do his thing. And I'm just happy we could, in fact, draw him out and, um, you know, <laughs> Now we're, st- we're stuck with warm grit in our brains for the next month or so, but great fun. And uh, just, you know, for what it's worth, folks, uh, when we got done, when the part you're going to hear, we went for another 40 minutes and just cracked up. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah, they might have to become uh, regular contributors to the podcast, uh, especially in the off season. Uh, special thanks. And we'll do our uh, admission next week. We'll save it up for a couple of weeks since we went a little long with the guys. Special thanks to Max Berman, Joe Rios, Matt Romito, Daniel Green, Big Jim Oboykowicz, Shane McGuire, Adam Sobel. For Jim Deshays, I'm Len Casper. As always, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast With your friends, talk to you next week. Open Concessions, presented by Toyota. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.